revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. TSE fans, this is Roz here today. There is going to be no wits because there's not many people like Roz. You can go on the road and take over a show and make sure that I can get it done while on the road. I've done it in multiple states. Wits is a very busy man in the state of Las Vegas, which is really Nevada. He was putting in some bets for us that didn't really go our way. Um, Chargers came back late to hit for us, but we did lose in many of the basketball categories we've been running with this week. But let's start it off. This is the Sporting Edge, so let's get into other sports news. It's very early here on a Friday morning. I know I'm doing this show very late, but, uh, you know, I have to have a little fun living the L.A. lifestyle. Met some nice women from Madrid last night. Um, I'm going to have to definitely check out Madrid, maybe bring you the Sporting Edge from Madrid. It's a great place, lovely people, um, via the two people I met last night. But let's get into some college basketball. We got some shakeup at the top of the list. We've got Kansas becoming the new number one ranked team in the AP Top 25. They are 8 0, the only undefeated in the top five outside of Michigan. That is because we had a Gonzaga stumble. Not too far. They played a close game, losing by three at home. I do want to say that it was a true home game and a true road game for Tennessee, who came in there and was like, hey, Ethan. You need to recognize us, because last week I went on the SEC tour of denial. I did not believe the SEC would really produce teams in my that I felt would be strong come tournament time, but they might actually have a force, and they might be a force to be reckoned with. I still think the Big Ten is better. Currently, there are 10 Big Ten teams in the Joe Lenardi bracketology, very early bracketology. We were going to go into it, but why bring you bracketology when it's this early in the season? We got Duke at number two, rightfully so, with four first place votes. They're nine and one. They got to move one slot up with the Gonzaga tumble. Duke is what they are, man. I mean, you've got one of the best players in the country in Zion Williamson, and you probably have the best player in RJ Barrett, who 
probably is the 1-1 at this point in time, dropping 30 last week in one game. He is uh, he's very impressive. I just think the hoopla and the hype of Zion Williamson is what is attractive about Duke right now. They're going to be a force down the stretch, and I've said that over and over again. Then you got Tennessee moving to three, which is the highest in a long, long time for this Tennessee Volunteers program in the AP Top 25. Like I said, true road win against Gonzaga. Very, very impressive. They moved up four slots, jumping Auburn and jumping Gonzaga as well, who fell to number four as they are now 9-1 and one before reaching conference play. Obviously, Gonzaga is going to roll through their conference play. Many thought that if they got past this non-conference unscathed, that we'd be seeing another undefeated Gonzaga team come tournament time. I know St. Mary's is always a threat to them out there in the West, but we shall see. Michigan, no movement. The only team in the top five not to move. We had them get to 10-0. and Virginia dropping out of the top five due to this Tennessee win. They fall to six, dropping two slots, or spots, slots and spots. I was combining one word. Um, they, uh, they're they going to be six here. They are 9-0, and undefeated with a first-place vote. Again, I think Virginia, beyond impressive to start this season off. It's just a matter of which undefeated team do you find to have had a stronger start, and they clearly think Michigan has as they remain five and Virginia six. Nevada playing some close games against Arizona State, not so close against USC, they didn't cover some spreads for me against Grand Canyon. I ripped them minus 10.5, and, and they only won by four, I believe so. Um, they fall one slot to number seven. I think they should fall further when they don't bury a team like Grand Canyon. It definitely takes uh, some of the allure of this Nevada team out of the window. I'm going to probably stay away from them come tournament time. I do hold grudges pretty strongly, especially when I'm losing money to the bookie. So Nevada is definitely on my my snip list right now, or at least headed that direction. Auburn is sitting there at number eight, another top 10 team that hasn't moved. They are eight and one with their lone loss coming to number two, Duke. They've been able to remain consistent so far this season. And when SEC play kicks off, it's going to have to be a show of dominance. We've got to see whether it's the Kentuckys of the world, the Auburns, or now the Tennessees of the world that are going to dominate the Southeastern Conference. Rounding up the top 10, we've got Michigan State with two losses. They have the most losses in the top 10. <clears throat> They've been very impressive. I think their comeback win against Texas was great. They held their own recently at the start of Big Ten play. Definitely dominated Iowa, a team I thought that was going to excel this year. Michigan State, definitely a, uh, a growing team. They have a lot of trouble turning the ball over. Um, 15 turnovers their last game in the first half. Michigan State's going to have to figure that out with Cassius Winston and Langford, who at points just don't. They run a very stagnant offense, which has me worried. I think a Michigan team goes in there and runs a more fluid offense and beats them pretty handedly at this point in the season. But we'll have to see as it continues to mature the the NCAA 2018-2019 season. And rounding out the top ten, moving up into the top ten is. Florida State. They are now 8-1, a largely athletic team. And when I say largely, they are also a large, large team. Um, So we'll see how they're able to continue moving forward. When I watched Michigan State-Florida, which is the game I was thinking of, Florida, like I said, Florida State was, is very athletic, um, just runs very stagnant offenses, and they don't have a lot of scoring threats or options. And I think Florida State's going to run into that problem against certain teams. They can block you out of the gym. They can run with you out of the gym. But at a certain point, they're scoring loads. They're going to have to find somebody to really get in the paint, really shoot the three well. And uh, that's, the, that's the struggle I see with the Florida teams so far. 
We then have Texas Tech, who has moved up to the 11, as they are undefeated. We're going to get Texas Tech-Duke coming up. I think Duke is going to show Texas Tech who they really are. Um, I think that's going to be a first loss for Texas Tech. we got North Carolina sliding back up at 7-2. and two. They're number 12. Virginia Tech at 8-1, and one, showing some love for the ACC, giving more love than just this Duke team we see up at the top in Virginia, of course. we got Buffalo all the way up to 14. 9-0 Buffalo, a team that we've seen dominate in the tournament in terms of being a Cinderella story. They keep winning. They're going to reach their conference play, most likely undefeated. And I think they're deserving of a pretty high mark this season. We'll see how they play in conference, but it should be interesting. Wisconsin falling four slots to number 16, right behind number 15, Ohio State. Wisconsin's now 8-2, and two, Ohio State 8-1. and one. We've got to, We have to discuss this Villanova Wildcats team, a struggling Villanova team. And I'm talking about coaches like Jay Wright don't come very often. This is embarrassing. Losing to Penn this week, they are pretty much dominated the entire game. I know they made it close at the end, but Penn taking a glorious victory away from Villanova, storming the court, di- dictating that the state of Pennsylvania is theirs and not Philadelphia or not Villanova's. So they're going to really need to figure themselves out before they fall out of the top 25, which I believe they will at the end of this week. But Villanova, definitely the shocker this year so far. Not really being able to compete. Kentucky the same way, dropping 10 spots as they took a tough loss this past week. Um, and then lastly, Foreman, still 10-0. Furman, Foreman, whatever it is. They're 23rd in the country right now. And they're a team to watch out for. They uh, aren't covering spreads. Again, a team that I've went out on a limb on, weren't covering my spreads. But they're a dangerous team at 10-0. And they're going to enter conference play pretty much undefeated pending this last game they have. So we'll see how how well they're able to keep up once conference play starts and see if they're going to ride into the NCAA tournament with a higher seed than expected. But that's all the time we have this segment, everybody. This is the Sporting Edge at LibertyTalk.fm. I'm only Roz today, so we'll be back with more me after the break. What's up, what's up, everybody? We are back, of course. We are in a little bit of a lull when it comes to college football. We did have Army-Navy. Um, Army, the superior team in terms of record, did not look like the superior team on the field. You have to remember, these teams do not like passing the ball. It's really a stretch when you get to see them throw the ball. It's a lot of triple option, a lot of shifting and movement around that wasn't entertaining and definitely didn't cover the 7.5-point spread, your boy, Roz ripped this past weekend, but since we're lacking NCAA, we might as well get into the NFL right away, because when you say there's a chance, there is a chance. Roz laying in bed most Sundays after a depressing, depressing NFL season, his fantasy team losing six in a row, his Packers losing their head coach, losing their wits, losing their way, but there is a chance, and there's nothing like going into Soldier Field in December with the best quarterback in the world taking on his arch nemesis who have lost five straight meetings against the Green Bay Packers to keep their season alive. Packers do need a little help outside of them finishing the season undefeated. We do need the Vikings to drop two more. The Vikings will play the Dolphins, the Lions, and the Bears one more time. So if we can get two more losses out of that, that'd be fantastic. Captain Kirk being Captain Kirk when it comes to the matchup against the Seahawks this past weekend. They lose 21-7. I fumble recovery for a touchdown as well as the lack of kind of killer instinct that we 
we would like to see out of a quarterback of Kirk Cousins stature. I mean, his his contract speaks more val- volumes than his actions on the field, but we're going to need I'm not going to bash him too much. I don't want to spit the juju in the wrong direction. I'm going to need the Vikings to drop a couple. Two tough division games, one on the road in Detroit. I'm hoping they can drop that. You've got a very inspired Dolphins team they're playing this week. I mean, that is one of the craziest plays I've ever seen. The Kenyon Drake lateral receiving from uh, Kenny Stills to beat Gronk towards the end zone as they beat the Patriots. AFC took a bit of a tumble at the top this past week. Um, with the Patriots losing to the Dolphins, the Steelers losing to the Raiders, and now you just had the Chiefs losing to the Chargers, who clinched a playoff berth this past day, because we're, we're a day late for me doing this. But um, like I said, back to the chances we have. The Packers, they know what they're doing in Soldier Field. We've seen them do it before. We've seen them in Week 17 with a last-second block from John Kuhn to allow Rodgers throw a beautiful pass over Chris Conti's head to Randall Cobb to get in the playoffs allowing us to then beat the Bears in the NFC Championship game, allowing us to advance to the Super Bowl. We've seen it before. The Bears have stood in our way. They've never been able to shut the door on us. We're going to have to beat two other teams after this week, but I'm feeling the confidence in the Green Bay Packer air. Joe Philbin, the new interim head coach, letting Rodgers rip it, and that's what you got to do. I mean, Aaron Jones has looked great. He continues to be a threat with eight rushing touchdowns this year. That's the most rushing touchdowns from a Packers running back in the last five seasons. It's been pretty amazing to watch. I mean, there was a season either last year or two years ago where our fullback or defensive lineman had more rushing touchdowns at one point than our running backs did. I'm back on, baby. It's all the football season's back here. I'm coming out of retirement for the season. I'm going to Watch the Packers win out, get their chance. I know that we need a Panthers loss. Super easy going against up going up against New Orleans this week. The Panthers look just dejected. The loss they took to the Browns, unbelievable. Cam Newton just doesn't look like he takes the game seriously. Cam Newton shows up, gets the paycheck, throws some interceptions, and calls it a day. That's what I've been getting in this stretch of their losing streak. I mean, he just doesn't do anything else to be better he just looks like he's mildly prepared for games and then he comes out with a poor poor performance I think it continues when they play the Saints this upcoming week we then have the Eagles who we also need to lose they're playing the Rams in the Coliseum after an embarrassing and I'm talking embarrassing performance from Jared Goff and the Los Angeles Rams four interceptions I understand the Bears D is what the Bears D is right now and that's very good but that was pitiful not scoring a touchdown it was hard to watch, especially since I bet also on the Rams. It's been a tough go gambling-wise, folks. So if you guys want to invest in me, start sending money my way so I can pay off my bookie and get back on the right track. Um, but I'm feeling good. I think the Rams this week are going to take the Eagles because the Eagles will now be without Carson Wentz for three months with a injured back. Don't don't call it the Andrew Luck syndrome, but I'm, I'm starting to get the sense Carson Wentz, who was talked up, was part of this Super Bowl team who led them to the playoffs before Nick Foles came over. I mean, they're the one of the worst Super Bowl teams I've ever seen. I mean, this goes along with the Trent Dilfer lines. Um, I don't know if Carson Wentz is going to go the distance in the NFL. The guy can't stay on the field. He didn't look very good or very sharp this season. And how much more time can you miss to be sharp? I mean, you can make the excuse when he comes back next season that, oh, he needs some time to get back to being sharp. Well, that's what kind of this season was for. You win a Super Bowl, you need a couple weeks to get ready, but you need your franchise quarterback, your early draft pick to show up, and he just hasn't done so. So we'll see where it goes from here. Carson Wentz, um, it's tough to see the injury, especially a back injury like that. But it's Nick Foles' time. Maybe there's a little more Foles magic 
as we near the playoffs. Maybe he only wants to play during the playoffs. So this could work out in the Eagles' favor, but I do think they're going to drop it to the Rams. And we then, of course, have the Redskins, who are down to Josh Johnson, former Vikings quarterback. Also was a backup there, but he is their four-string effort in Washington. I need them to lose one. I'm not concerned. I think they will definitely lose at least one in the next three weeks. Putting my Packers in the driver's seat to take over the NFC wildcard six-seed position. And if you know anything about six-seed positions in the Green Bay Packers, it usually spells Super Bowl champions. So we'll see how that goes. But let's get back into the AFC. AFC just conference in general. A lot happened. A lot of shifting. A lot of shading. And it looks like it's anybody's game for the top spot. I mean, it's also anybody's game for the wild card slots. You have the opportunity to see the Cleveland Browns make the postseason after an 0-16 season. Pretty amazing. Greg Williams has definitely flipped some switch that Hugh was unable to do in his three seasons in Cleveland where he only won three games. Greg Williams has already matched that. Um, they're going to need a lot of help, specifically from one team. They're going to need the Steelers to go on a four-game losing streak that started with the Raiders last week. They're going to have to lose to the Patriots this week, lose to the Saints the following week, and then they're going to need Jeff Driscoll to pull off something amazing in Cincinnati to beat the Steelers, allowing the Browns, again, a team that needs to win out in order for all this to work, to make the postseason as a sixth seed. And that'd be amazing because in Baker, in Baker we trust is kind of the motto right now in Cleveland. So a lot of scrambling going on in the NFL, a lot of interesting things going on. The NFC really struggling in terms of records. We could definitely see a under 500 team make it. We've seen that once before with the Seahawks, who went 7-9 and nine one season. I, I'm interested in the AFC because the Patriots do look like they're lacking in terms of the dominant football we're used to seeing from them. They're not really performing that level. We've seen the Chiefs now being beatable. And I like the Texans, man. I think they're young. I think Deshaun Watson definitely has areas he needs to improve on. They had a tough loss against Andrew Luck and the Colts last week, who are also trying to make a push at 7-6 and six to make it to the postseason. Um, but I think if they, if they get it, there's just so many weapons there. I think Lamar Miller has rejuvenated somehow. He's rushing for over 100 yards a week with touchdowns here and there. I mean, we obviously saw that 90-yard touchdown break he had. Um, they're a scary team, 9-4. I think Deshaun Watson, who... He's doing the recovery thing right. Had a torn ACL. Kind of needed a season to get warmed up again. He was struggling throwing the ball midway through the season, not accumulating a whole lot of yardage in gameplay. I think he needs to trust himself a little bit more. He's scrambling more now. He's really kind of getting into that rhythm. And that's a scary thought. The Texans can steal one in the postseason against any of these teams, in my opinion. You've got a struggling Steelers team, struggling Patriots team, and a, a hero there, Kansas City Chiefs team, who I think is dominant, has a scary offense. They went through a lot with the Kareem Hunt stuff that was going on that we, we don't condone here. But they're, they have to refine their identity. I know they were up 28-14 before blowing that game last night or Thursday night. Um, but like I've said before, Pat Pat Mafarve can show up at any time and any interception could be made. And I've seen the dejected hearts of Packer fans. I see it 
see it kind of come in the same favor as these Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, Andy Reid has also been a part of that as he was a coach on the Packers squad when Brett Favre was around. But we'll have to see. I think the Texans can make some noise. I'd love to see the Colts get in the postseason. That'd be a feel-good story for Andrew Luck, who missed so much time playing or missed so much football with that shoulder injury and whatever else was happening to him, a punctured spleen. There was was a lot going on in the Luck situation. But we got the postseason nearing. I'm feeling good, as you heard in this segment. I think the Packers have a real shot. There's no team in the world that likes to let the Packers in more than the Chicago Bears. And it'll start this week. But that's all the time we have this segment, everybody. This has been the Sporting Edge with Roz today, as Wits is in Las Vegas, losing some money, making some money, however you do it over there. But we'll be back after the break, everybody. What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report. Bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scott Chalady, the cow guy, as seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got the Badger, who writes the hot topics in the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to thebubbashow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at Bubba at thebubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at Bubba at thebubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, thebubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report. That's my best little sports center segue in there. Um, we are back. This is the Sporting Edge. This is our third segment of the day. We're going to run through some NFL game picks before we head into some NBA discussion. And there is a lot to discuss about in the NBA with poor play being frequent in the NBA. Teams not stepping up. I mean, if anybody watched the Toronto Raptors win by 30 against the Golden State Warriors without Kawhi Leonard, clearly there are nights that teams don't want to show up. And I think that hurts the way people gamble and i think it hurts bank accounts just like mine but let's get into some nfl game picks it is the return of saturday nfl football with college football at its end the nfl takes over another day you've got your monday you've got your thursday saturday and sunday just missing a little love on the tuesday wednesday friday grind but we start this Saturday with two intriguing games. Obviously, we just talked about the Browns last time or last segment. They're on the road against Denver, a team that just got poo-pooed on by the San Francisco 49ers. Denver thought they found their man in Case Keenum, but really, they just found a disaster artist. And this team is still in rebuild, rebuild, rebuild. I think Cleveland goes on the road, takes this game. I'm very excited to see how it goes. Um, Cleveland has really been on the up and up. I think they're going to continue to show that Denver is minus two, but I'm telling you, Rip Browns plus two and a half. I think this will be very exciting. Um, Case Keenum, only 15 touchdown passes this entire season. It's been tough for him in the Mile High City and wherever he travels, but I'm riding the Browns. The early game that morning, the Texans go on the road to face the Jets. Texans coming off of a loss against the Colts. I love it. I think Sam Darnold, the pick machine he is is going to struggle against this Texans D, get hit and roughed up a little bit. Texans only minus 6.5 when it should be minus 15. I'm loving the Texans on the road. We'll start with two road games. 
to get our NFL slate going since we don't count our Thursday night game. DeAndre Hopkins, what a year. 84 receptions, 1,151 yards, and nine touchdowns. Not quite the Devontae Adams line, but this guy has been very impressive. We get to Sunday, two reeling teams, one game apart. The Cardinals are 3-10, and the Falcons 4-9. Falcons took a nice drumming by the Packers. Loved it. Loved to see it. Julio finally finding the end zone. In fact, he found it twice. He's almost up to 1,500 yards receiving. It's unbelievable the kind of years that Julio puts up, as well as statistically, Matt Ryan looks good. The team just does not know how to win games. They will have a chance being 9.5-point favorites over the Cardinals. I think the Falcons are the way to go in this game. The Cardinals are just a dead offense, losing 17-3 this past week. There's nothing moving. I don't think Josh Rosen's the answer. I don't think any of these quarterbacks that came out are the answer. I feel the same way about this upcoming draft. I don't think there's a quarterback outside of Kyler Murray if he decides to skip playing Major League Baseball to join the NFL. I just don't think there's a spot for any of these quarterbacks in the next two seasons. Then we've got the Lions on the road against the Bills. Bills favored, minus 2.5. we got the 5-8 and eight Lions versus 4-9 Bills. I think this is a game the Lions, who are still mathematically also in the playoff hunt, they need a win here. I think I'll take the Lions plus 2.5 because I want the Lions to feel motivated. I want them to keep having that drive because I'm going to need them to beat the Vikings down the line. I do like the Lions here. Give me some NFC North love in New Era Field in Buffalo, New York. Then we got the game of the week. The Green Bay Packers on the road, plus five and a half against the Chicago Bears. And you better be ripping. You better be ripping the Green Bay Packers this week. Loving them, plus five and a half. Aaron Rodgers, 0-6 on the road this season. There's no way he gets swept in every road game. No better place to take it than his second home in Soldier Field. Aaron Rodgers, 3,700 yards this year, 23 touchdowns, only one interception. I understand the throwaway stats and the completion percentage is down for him this year, but Aaron Rodgers is our man, and he's going to carry us. It's just a matter of relaxing. R-E-L-A-X, baby. And we're going to take the Bears to school, reminding them, who NFC North it really is. We can throw them the crown this year, but there's no true NFC North champion like the Green Bay Packers. We then have the Raiders and Bengals in the Ugly Bowl. We've got the 5-8 and eight Bengals who have not won since I was in probably middle school or high school at this point, it feels like, and we've got the Raiders who are run by a tyrant, militant, or malicious, whatever you want to call it, man, as he has now forced Reggie McKenzie out this past week. He will take over the team in full. Mark Davis better be watching out for his job before John Gruden becomes the sole owner of the Oakland Raiders. Raiders are three-point underdogs. It's tough here. I mean, Derek Carr, he is your starting quarterback. He should be able to win games. Do you want them winning games right now, especially with the draft picks in sight? I really think the Raiders do take this over a Jeff Driscoll-led team. Um, so I would take the Raiders and the points. We got the Colts hosting the Cowboys. Colts three-point favorite. It's kind of that average line when you have a middle-of-the-way game. You give three points to the home team. Dak's been playing well. Amari Cooper has found a home. I mean, this guy has been a monster since being in Dallas. Um, to me, this is a toss-up game. I would avoid it if I were you, but I'll always go with the home team when I don't know what to choose. So Colts minus three. They're really pushing, trying to be in the postseason. Cowboys don't have much to worry about as the teams behind them in the NFC East aren't really chasing them that that much. So following that, we got the Vikings hosting the Dolphins. Give the Dolphins a nice dome game at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Kirk, captain, 
interception man. He is going to be leading a team that I need to lose desperately. Adam Thielen, you know the kind of year he's having, 103 receptions for 1,200-plus yards, nine touchdowns, hoping to right the ship after firing their offensive coordinator. But give me a little more Dolphin magic. Give me a little Kenyon Drake off the lateral for another game-winning touchdown. I like the Dolphins plus 7.5. I think it's a disrespectful line to the Dolphins. Give me the Dolphins in this game. You got Giants hosting the Titans. I think the Titans are ass. I've said it thousands and thousands of times. We've seen it over and over again. They've proven me right. They've proven me wrong. They've been all over the place. The Giants are minus one, basically a pick 'em here. I think you got to go Giants five and eight at home against seven and six Titans, who are two and five on the road. Um, Mariota again, lackluster to say the least. I do like the Giants in this game. Jaguars, who've just been the shithole of the century, the team that has no idea what's going on. Jalen Ramsey saying he deserves to be paid. I don't think he deserves a dime. I think he deserves a patch over the mouth to keep him quiet for an entire season. Um, Jaguars do get a favorable matchup against Josh Johnson at home. Jaguars are minus 7.5. Seems like a lot of points the Jaguars would need to score, especially with Cody Kessler at the helm, a guy who didn't look very impressive in his debut. The Blake Bortles era supposedly over in Jacksonville, so in Blake we trust. I, uh, I assume there will be one more chance he has somewhere in the NFL. Everybody needs a quarterback at some point. I do like the Jaguars here, minus 7.5. We then have the Ravens hosting the Buccaneers, which should be another shit show. Joe Flacco, very upset that he's been benched essentially for Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, the new starting quarterback in Baltimore. They're seven and a half point favorites. I don't think Buccaneers will be able to keep up. I think Jameis Winston is going to revert to his old self and throw for five or six interceptions. Um, if there was ever somebody I thought would break Brett Favre's interception record. I think Jameis Winston is the man. I'm going to go Ravens minus 7.5. We've got the 49ers hosting the Seahawks, who have lost 10 straight games against the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson needs to keep winning in order to keep his Seahawks alive. They are 8-5. They are looking good for that fifth spot in the NFC um, playoff push. I like the Seahawks here, minus 3.5, although Mullins has been playing pretty well in the 49er uniform, so we'll see how that goes. It is a division game, and anything can happen. Then, of course, we have, to me, the best game of the week. I know it's not the slate. I know that it's not the Sunday night or the Monday night, but we got the Steelers hosting the Patriots. Patriots minus 2.5 on the road. Steelers 7-5-1 don't really, doesn't really explain the season they're having. I think they're having a better year than their record shows. They are a good team. They are an explosive team, as we know. I just think the Patriots coming off of a loss don't want to lose this one. They don't want to lose control of a potential bye and a couple home games during the postseason. I do think the Patriots take this minus 2.5, even with the explosive nature of the Steelers, who are led actually by Juju Smith-Schuster, who has 91 receptions, 1,200 yards, and six touchdowns. You would assume Antonio Brown would be the guy in that area. But Juju having a heck of a year. Then we've got the Rams-Eagles, where your boy Roz might be at. We don't know. We've got tickets from Sean McVay and one of the linebacker coaches, but I don't know if I will be the one gracing the stadium. I do like the Rams in this easy, minus 12.5 with Nick Foles in the fold. Hey, but we're going to go Rams. And finally, Panthers Saints. Saints, six-point favorites. It's a division game. I worry about that a little bit, but with the Saints, the way they've played the last couple of weeks, they need to just come out and spark the Panthers and get them get them really kind of low. I think Drew Brees needs to throw for four touchdowns. It's fantasy football playoff season, and there's no better flake than Drew Brees when it comes to that. You can ask Wits when he gets back on the show next week, but I do like the Saints here minus six to wrap up the perfect trifecta for the Packers, seeing the Redskins, Panthers, and Eagles all lose, leaving it only to the Vikings and the Packers' own destiny. 
to make the postseason. But that is all the time we have this segment, everybody. I hope you guys are enjoying the show with Roz here today. We do miss wits. I'll be real with you. I like having the Skype buddy across the line. But some days you just gotta you gotta own up and do it yourself, especially when you're hungover at 9:30 in the morning on a Friday. It's a tough go. Still gotta go to work in about an hour here. But that again is all the time we have this segment, everybody. Keep listening to Sporting Edge at AMFM 24/7 and LibertyTalk.fm. And we'll be back after the break, everybody. What's up, what's up, everybody? We are back for our last segment with Roz this week. And I thought we'd dive a little bit into the NBA. It is the No Basketball Association. And you say, what What does that mean? It's just horrible team play. It's individuals trying to prove they're the greatest at one-on-one. Um, it's been tough to watch. I don't know why I started gambling on it. I've only been losing money when it comes to gambling on the NBA. But it is just a hard sport to watch. College, I love the flow of the game more. I think it's more inspiring. NBA is just, it's Oladipo's turn to take the ball up the court, or it's Harden's turn to take the ball up the court. I'm going to run and make something happen. If not, I'm just going to dish it out, either turn it over or pray to God I get the assist. Still a stat to my line. Let's just start off with the basics, just things going on around the NBA. You know everything that happened with Jimmy Butler in Minnesota. And the guy loves talking about practice, man. I mean, he's the reverse of Allen Iverson. He's bragging about his practice he had in Minnesota. And you know me, I'm, I'm not one to shy away from a nice brag. I think I'm the greatest player in rec league history. I beat Wits, by the way, if anybody was curious. We did play our game. Beat him one-on-one pretty handedly. Let him in the game a little bit towards the end, but had a nice 11-4 lead to keep a cushion. He actually took me out with a quad injury. I've been injured for a little bit, but I think I'm back. Performed pretty well yesterday on the court. But I don't need to talk about that because I'm uh, I'm not a pro, and I understand where I stand, and I understand that if I was practicing, I wouldn't like to brag about that either. And Kobe, Kobe just called it an average Monday, you know? Nothing special about a good practice. You just got to show up and give it your all anytime you're in the stadium or at the facilities. And Butler is just – there's something about Butler. I loved him when he was on the Bulls. I think there was that feel-good story that he made it. He wasn't projected to be a superstar, an all-star, or anything – of that nature and he proved to be the guy and I don't know what clicked or what switched and I've seen some great things about him allowing Tyus Jones to use his plane there's a lot of good but a lot of noise around Butler and it's happening again in Philadelphia some turmoil between Joel Joel Embiid and Butler changing the role of Embiid for the team Embiid's not as comfortable as he once was Butler now going to be out a couple of games we'll see how that goes um really just play man I just think there's there's issues to talk about, like actual, real, political, or social issues that I am all for these players standing up and, and speaking about. And then there's the game. And it, to call out teammates, to call out organizations, I just don't think that's the way to be a teammate or a team player or an athlete. Because where I said it's okay to speak about all these other things, that's, that's right. That's the human being. But being an athlete, you're part of a team. And I think to create all this other turmoil that takes away from the team's performances or takes away from the team's current state of the season, it's tough. And I think Jimmy Butler needs to put his head down and play and show that he is capable of being a piece on a championship team because this, to this point, it's not it's not evident. I don't think that's the case right now. Um, the 76ers team, I, I think it's amazing what Ben Simmons can do. I also think it's amazing how he can't shoot the ball. 
I mean, if you guys watch games, it's amazing. He will not pull up for a shot. And when he does, it's a plunk or a clank or a straight air ball. It is one of the mo- it's one of nature's biggest questions is why can't he shoot? And like people were more curious about why Fultz can't shoot, but you got to look into Simmons a little bit too. The guy cannot stroke the ball at all. I think the Sixers are not they they've trusted the process. They're a competing team. I just don't think they have what it takes to get to the next level. Now I'm interested to talk about the Warriors. What does it take for them to come out and win 82 games? Because it's a team that definitely can do it. I just think they don't show up some nights. They don't want to play. Kevin Durant, who also is on the list of people who need to just shut up and play the game, unless, of course, social issues and all that other stuff. I'm okay with these players talking about it. I'm not one of those guys. They're not just players. Um, but the loss they took to the Raptors is ridiculous. Unbelievable. You have... Four All-Stars playing against a team without their number one player with a Kyle Lowry who is averaging three points a game in the month of December. Three points a game from a starting former All-Star point guard. He's averaging three points a game in the month of December. I mean, blows my mind. And you let them come into your home court and beat you by 30. It blew my mind. I don't quite understand why. I know it's a long schedule. I've always been one to say they should shorten the NBA schedule, because the regular season is pretty meaningless when more than 50% of your league gets into the playoffs. Um, but I I was shocked. And I think the Raptors, who people are claiming to be here, let's be real, everybody. There's not a team in the world going to beat this Warriors team when it comes postseason time. Would I love LeBron to shock the world? Yeah, um, it would be pretty, pretty amazing. But it just does not look like that's going to be, especially with rumors of players not even wanting to come to L.A. I mean, they'll come to L.A., but play for the Clippers. I've heard rumors that Kawhi and Kevin Durant might team up in for the Clippers, but not with LeBron. I mean, I don't know what it'll take for LeBron to get over this Warriors hump, but it seems like a lot. It seems like a stretch. We were watching the Lakers the other day in Dwayne Wade's final matchup against LeBron, which finished 16-15, to by the way. Um, LeBron obviously in favor. Uh, the Lakers look tough when LeBron's on the court. They don't really know what they're doing. They run through Lance Stevenson, who I don't think should ever have the ball run through him. Um, there's going to need to be a lot of change there. I think that they do need to try to recruit one of these stud players or trade for Anthony Davis. The Celtics want him. The Lakers want him. Anthony Davis is just absolutely dominating the league right now on a bad Pelicans team. I think it's time he moves, and I think it's time one of these big cats kind of fish him in and make him a part of a super team. We also got around the NBA. We've got Jabari Parker given four minutes in his most recent outing. It looks like Jim Bolin is really in crisis mode. I love listening to Big Cat on Pardon My Take, just explaining the dumpster fire that is the Chicago Bulls who fired Fred Hoidberg. There's a a committee they're trying to form because there's some discourse or lack of communication between the coach and the players. Um, Jabari, who you spent all this money on this postseason for, $20 million a year you're paying him. He is losing his role, supposedly. Bolin says it's going to be a matchup decider that they play with four fours, and you should just enjoy the minutes you get. I mean, if I'm an NBA player and I'm only getting four minutes a night at his caliber or potential caliber, I would be pissed. I don't know how you demand a trade away from home. I don't think that's a thing Jabari's going to consider. But they definitely need to put some minutes towards Jabari Parker. Can't just give him four minutes off the bench in Mexico and call it a day. I mean, they lost to the Magic. They're now officially the worst team record-wise in the NBA. The Bulls have been saying it for a while, not so much the organization, but the fans of the organization, that it's time for 
Foreman packs in to go. I don't know what it'll take for them to get fired. It clearly took an Arizona Cardinals loss at home to fire Mike McCarthy. So sounds like something crazy needs to happen in order for the Bulls to shift shift leadership. I think Reinsdorf is kind of delusional. I think he's more focused on what's going on with the White Sox and the winter meetings. Not too much movement there. Charlie Morton to the Rays. Um, Tanner Roark being traded to the Reds. It's that's that's all that good stuff. But yeah, the NBA is like I said. It's amazing to me because it just does not look like players come out every single night ready to play, and certainly for the Bulls. I mean, a team that arguably is a D-League standard team is just has been brutal. It's been abysmal, their their play. But, I mean, at a certain point, it's got to turn around. I don't know what the answer is going to be. Maybe it's Zion Williamson. Maybe it's R.J. Barrett. Maybe it's Cam Reddish, who I'm not totally sold on. I think he's more just a shooter. I think that's a guy you wait on. In the draft, obviously that won't be the case when it comes time for the NBA draft to come around. But right now, the easy predictions for the NBA is we're going to see the Golden State Warriors win the NBA title. I don't care what struggles they go through. I don't care who they lose to in the regular season. It just does not mean a whole lot to me. I think they're going to face the Celtics. I understand the love for Kawhi. I understand that we didn't see him basically for a full year. But I think the Celtics are really the team to beat. They have had a lot of injuries. Gordon Hayward hasn't been playing. Horford hasn't been playing. Yet they still are churning out Ws. Obviously, we know how I feel about Jason Tatum. I think he's an incredible talent and is going to be one of the premier players on this team, if not already. We've got Kyrie, who continues to lead the way and keep it kind of his team, keep it close to the chest. We'll see if he decides to stay in Boston past this season. I know there's a lot of talks he wants to play with Jimmy Butler, maybe even at home in New York. But that's all the time we have this week, everybody. This has been the Sporting Edge with Roz. It is tough to go nonstop talking by yourself, but we've we've accomplished it here today. We're excited to see you back next week, Wits, and we're excited for you guys to listen next week, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Sporting Edge on LibertyTalk.fm. This has been Roz. We're signing out. Bye-bye. Revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm.